This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Kiesi. Okay, so um, my next paper today is also a paper that came out not too long ago in the JAMA Network Open. It's called Safety and Short-Term Outcomes of High-Dose Erythropoietin in Preterm Infants with Intraventricular Hemorrhage, the EPO Repair Randomized Clinical Trial. So it's kind of cool because this is a, a trial that we said we were expecting the results when we covered EPO and erythropoietin-stimulating agents in our neonatology review podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, the results are out, and, and so it's, it was quite cool to finally get the results not too far after we spoke about it. So <clears throat> I think that with the background is very important, and I think that with EPO, there's a lot of confusions. And the background mentions that observational studies on babies with IVH treated with erythropoietin showed better neurodevelopmental outcomes compared to control. Observational studies. And there's always been this lingering data that seemed to hint at the fact that uh, high-dose erythropoietin for IVH could have potentially better outcome. Um, And they also mentioned something in the background that I saved because it could be like a board review question. They mentioned that uh, these these this data is is um, taking place in cases where erythropoietin is given several days or weeks after the end of the, after the, the the brain insult the neurological insult, and its mm-hmm. proposed mode of action is thought to be the facilitation of repair, sustaining of neuronal growth, and differentiation after brain injury rather than protection against damage itself. I thought that was very very interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, the EPO repair trial is investigating the safety and efficacy of high-dose EPO after the diagnosis of moderate to severe IVH in preterm infants. They included babies who were born um, at 32 weeks of gestation or less, or weighed 1,500 grams or less, and they had to have a diagnosis of IVH within the first eight days of life, and it had to be grade two or higher. So all these grade ones are are gone. (laughs) We're not looking at them in this study. Uh, They had a bunch of exclusion criteria. That's fine. They randomized baby to either one-to-one, either to EPO or placebo. And this is where I think Dr. Oles on the podcast came and and explained that to us. But Uh the the dose of EPO is not the dose we use for for prevention of transfusion. This was 2,000 units per kilo per dose given every 24 hours for a three-day course, then followed by an additional dose at day 10 and another additional dose at day 17. And just to give you an idea, when we talk about our, um, our, I'm losing my words because it's late at night, but our dosage for for hematocrit boost, right? We're talking about like a couple hundred units. So it's usually like what, two to 500 units per kilo mm-hmm. given like three times a week. This is 2,000 units per kilo given every day for three days. <clears throat> yeah, significantly so, higher. Yeah. Significantly, not the same at all. The primary outcome was, the intelligence quotient at five years of age using the Kaufman assessment battery for children. And they had secondary outcome, global brain abnormality, the GBA score, and white and gray matter injury score assessed on T1 and T2 weighted MRI images at term equivalent age. They also had some mini clinical uh, secondary outcomes that were collected that you can find in the paper. So uh, 121 infants were randomized from eight study centers in Switzerland and Austria, and uh, 15 out of those 121 died before term equivalent. So so they they could not be uh, imaged and assessed. 
um, 100 infants underwent MRI at term equivalent. And interestingly enough, the one of the most shocking findings is that they found a higher mortality rate in the EPO group, 16.7%, versus 8.2% in controls. So almost double. Mm-hmm. This difference, however, was not statistically significant. P equals 0.15. <coughs> Sorry. So I know I know that's because it's not statistically significant. Mm-hmm. It's still it still gave me a little bit of uh, made me uncomfortable. Yeah. There was no statistically significant differences observed between the groups with respect to infections, ROP, BPD, neck. Uh, or uh, intestinal perforation, medically treated PDA, or length of stay. There were also no significant differences between groups for. Um, there were also no significant differences between groups for IVH complications, including post-hemorrhagic hydrocephalus, need for transient or permanent cerebral fluid drainage, or diffuse and cystic PVL. They did find that uh, they did find that babies who uh, they did find that babies who had uh, received EPO actually had a higher hematocrit. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, there were no statistically significant differences in MRI outcomes between groups, even if uh, the empirical cumulative distribution of uh, GBA score, the global. Um, the global brain abnormality score indicated a trend toward less brain abnormality in the erythropoietin group. So uh, the conclusion is that the EPO repair trial um, done in preterm infants demonstrated uh, that moderate to severe with moderate to severe IVH confirms the absence of treatment effect on brain imaging and clinical endpoints at term equivalent. Whether that will translate into better outcomes at five years, that remains to be published, and the authors seem to be a bit skeptical as to whether this will hold true. Now, this is another paper where the discussion is, again, excellent. And so I'm going to walk you through some of the things because it's sometimes hard to make heads or tails of like all these trials that are coming out. So it's like, what's the evidence showing? And so they actually go over the four I mean, I guess the three trials that came before them and their trial included. So they're saying how the Swiss cohort, a Swiss, a, a cohort out of Switzerland and a cohort out of China, um, looking at the use of erythropoietin, reported slightly lower mortality rates in their EPO group. Right, the PINA trial done in the US reported mortality rates of thirteen percent in the EPO group versus ten point nine percent in the placebo group. Now, they're saying that the mortality rates in the EPO repair trial, the one we're reviewing today, was 16% in the EPO group versus 8% in the placebo group. What they're suggesting is that the higher mortality in the PINUT and the EPO repair trial may reflect the inclusion of more immature infant. The mean gestational age uh, was 25.9 weeks in the PINUT trial and 26.6 weeks in the EPO repair trial. When you compare that to the Swiss cohort that was uh, that had a gestational age of 29 weeks and the Chinese cohort that had a gestational age of 30 weeks. And so again, including babies who are more immature may, under, may, may uncover an association between the use of EPO that could not be seen previously in, in more mature infants. Now, what they did is that they aggregated their data with the one from the PINUT trial. So I thought that was really cool to do that in the discussion. And they're saying that the aggregate peanut and EPO repair data shows no significant difference in mortality 
13% in the EPO group versus 10.6% in the placebo group uh, with a p-value of 0.13. So I have to say this is a bit more reassuring when you when you even though it's still higher in the EPO group, it's not mm-hmm. like double. <laughs> <laughs> so it made me feel a little bit better. But I thought that was really nice that they sort of summarized some of the previous trials and sort of aggregated some of the U.S. data together, uh, the, the U.S. data with their data. So I thought that was really good. So, uh, yeah, yeah. high-dose EPO is not, uh, is not uh, here to stay. I know. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. I, I Two things that I wanted to say. I love how many studies are really looking at starting to look at, okay, we weren't able to prevent some of these things. So how, how do we rehabilitate, right? These, these babies, instead of saying like, okay, well, we've, that happened in the first 24 to 72 hours and now we're just stuck with it. So, I mean, I think it's, it, we have, we have to be looking to see what we can do for these infants. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to, um, just second what you said. I think, um, when I was a trainee, they said like, you just, you know, skip, skip the background, skip the discussion, go right to the methods. And then you decide like what kind of paper you have. And I think that's a mistake. I think mm-hmm. that our trainees can learn for us. All of us can learn so mm-hmm. much from the background section. You read a really good, well-written background section and you learn so much regardless yeah. of the, what, what happened in the trial. And it's, so. and it's a testament to the authors because I think, yeah, um, you right. could you could technically use the discussion to wrap up your loose ends and try to make make it fit Absolutely. nicely with a nice That's bow tie on everything. But some authors are very like some authors are Thorough. attacking yeah. some of the discrepancies between their data and other data head on, like they did in this trial, mm-hmm. and saying, "Well, here's mm-hmm. here's what we think, right? This is what could, it could be," and um, and that's kind of nice because um, it kind of gets tiring to say like, "Oh, it's the first trial of its kind to do." It's like. Yeah, I also think I also think that just shows like how accessible information is, and you know, if you put it out there, that somebody's going to be talking about it, you know, on Neo yeah, Twitter. Absolutely. So you might as absolutely. well you might as well broach that topic before it gets there. So. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care professional. Thank you.